Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have a great show today. You know, when we talk about agents of change, we're talking about people that are really making a great change in the world that we live in. They're really at the beginning of what we call a mega trend. And these types of people are very, very important to the world that we live in. At Dotcom Magazine, we call them zeitgeist. We call them people that are looking at the future and how to make the world a better place to live. And of course, we are around our table talking about some of these change agents and Miss Darcy Winslow's name came across the desk. We did a little investigation and wow, she's doing such great work. She of course is the co-founder and the past president of the Academy for Systems Change, which we're gonna get into. And she also is the co-founder of this amazing thing. We're going to talk about it. It's called the Magnolia Moonshot 2030. Try and say that three times real fast. What they're doing with the moonshot, it's really a new narrative for women's leadership. And we're going to get into all of it. So Darcy, welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you, Andy. And what great energy. And, you know, just one thing uh, early on in my career, my professional career, we talked about the fringe matters and it's very lonely on the fringe, but it is the fringe. And to be able to step out onto the fringe, to be comfortable on the fringe and to work from there. Uh, that kind of epitomizes my professional career. <laughs> yeah, Darcy, you're doing such great work. If I spent all the time, energy, and effort talking about everything that you've done, your leadership awards and everything else, and all the you know Inc. 5000 and Fortune 100 companies you've worked with, I'd be talking for 30 minutes. I wouldn't even get a chance to get you on the show. So let's get right to it. We, of course, want to talk about the Magnolia Moonshot 2030. What a great name. But before we do, let's talk about the Academy for Systems Change. So maybe pull the lens back to 30,000 feet and tell us about the Academy first, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Well, I, I really have to start. Um, the essence of the Academy started back in the late 90s when I was still at Nike. And I was leading our sustainability efforts, bringing sustainability into the corporation through the business, not through corporate responsibility. And Peter Senge, um, in 1998, that's when I was introduced to him. And he's the founder of the Society for Organizational Learning. Uh, he's been named one of the 25 most influential people in business over the past century. And we started, Nike was one of the founding companies that started the sustainability consortium with Hewlett Packard, Ford, Interface, 
DuPont, many other companies. And it was really a chance for us to come together, leaders from these multinational corporations to come together and to really begin to understand what does the concept of sustainability mean within the corporate context and how do we lead that? How do we talk about it? How do we language it? How do we make it real? And that organization, the Sustainability uh, Consortium, lasted for about nine years. And it was also the same year that I left Nike. And when I called Peter and said, hey, I'm, I'm really leaving Nike this time, he said, great, come on out. We've got work to do together. And so over the next couple of years, we began convening other people in our network that were also focused on sustainability and just transforming critical systems. And so that was the inception of the Academy in 2010. And where we decided to focus our energy was to find emerging leaders and to work with them through a fellowship program to build their capacity as a systems leader to be able to transform these critical systems. And these leaders uh, through the two cohorts that we conducted each were about two and a half, three years long, were just amazing. And the idea was that the Academy would be a 10-year initiative to really hold our feet to the fire, to create action that made a difference in the world, and to work to have these emerging leaders step into our shoes. So we became the mentors, they became the leaders, and that has played out. So I was, uh, I got to be the president for the first 10 years of the Academy. So that's how it started. I love it. You know, you were the president from 2010 to 2020. One thing that you mentioned that really resonated for us in researching what you do and your background and experiences, you're a big believer in mentorship. Where did that come from? Where did where the whole idea that this mentorship is one of the most important sort of guiding purposes of everything that you do? Well, funny you should ask that. When we first started thinking about what could we do together that we can't do alone, which became the Academy, uh, we started calling it the Jedi Academy. And if you look at the Jedi Masters, and for us, you know, Peter Senge really represented that Jedi Master in organizational change, systems change, and, you know, some of uh, his colleagues, Otto Scharmer. And if you have a Jedi Master, then you find the Jedis, you know, that you train, that you mentor, that you work with, you support. And so we felt that was very, very important. So coaching, mentoring was a part of the fellowship program. Every fellow had a, a mentor and coach throughout the entire fellowship program. And those relationships continue on this day. Um, several of the, the fellows that I've mentored, um, eight years later, we still have that relationship. I love it. Of course, Jedi Master, such a great name for it. I'm going to have to steal that from you because I just love it so much. And we talk about mentorship all the time on the show. Now, we think about you and we think about what you're doing. This name, this new awareness-based program you put together called Magnolia Moonshot 2030. First of all, I have to ask you, How'd you come up with the name? Because we we were talking this morning at the at the dot com magazine. We we're like, that's such a cool name. Where'd you come up with that name? 
Well, so Magnolia Moonshot 2030 was an outgrowth of a conversation I had with one of our fellows in our second cohort. And I have to tell the story because it's so powerful. Um, She was an executive, young woman executive in a multinational corporation in Mexico. She was the only female at the age of 30 on the leadership team leading sustainability in a very masculine, macho industry, corporation, and country. And at one of our gatherings, you know, each of the fellows was telling their story, their work, and their challenges. And at the end of it, this woman, she got very emotional. And I pulled her aside and I said, what's going on? And she said, my champion of sustainability has been promoted. He's leaving. I have no champion. I don't know how I'm going to do my work. And being a woman who led the early efforts around sustainability at Nike, I knew exactly what she was talking about. And I I have to this day a whole network of women leaders who have walked in these shoes. So I said, well, damn it, I have a network of support. And so the idea was to create a cohort of women leaders leading sustainability in the corporate world uh, and bring them together and really work with them. So when I came back with this idea, I started engaging other women who are now co-founders of the Magnolias. And we started talking and it grew and grew and grew into what it is today. And so how we came about with the name, we were at one of the co-founders homes in Wheaton, Illinois. And we said, we can't just call this reimagining, you know, women's leadership. So boring. And so the, the name Magnolia came up and the Magnolia is a symbol of nature Uh, especially in China. And the magnolia tree is 95 million million years old. Uh, You know, feminine fragrance, feminine name, but it's one of the first trees to bloom in the spring. Its leaves are incredibly tough and they're pollinators. So we landed on magnolia. And then this idea of a moonshot, you know, it's not new, but when you launch a moonshot, you know you're going there, but you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. And it's a process of learning along the way, but you know, and you've got to go big. And then 2030, we wanted to build on things, active actions that were already in place around climate. So the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, their goals are around 2030, and then the UN Sustainable development goals, most of those targets are also 2030. So that's where it came from. Again, put a time frame on it and let's hold our feet to the fire and be, begin engaging women who are focused on one or more of these efforts and to connect the community, to learn from each other, to support and walk alongside them however we can. So that's that's what it's all about. I love it. What a great story. I mean, I didn't know about the magnolia, but I love the pollination and how it spreads. And you're spreading this new narrative for women's leadership and you're changing sort of the conversation for women watching the show. How do they get engaged? How do they find out more about Magnolia Moonshot 2030 and what it can do and what they can do, of course, to become one of these women leaders that are really urgently addressing climate you know, crises and other things that you're involved with? 
Well, our web, website is mm2030.org. And one of the things that we've been doing is our own series of podcasts with amazing women. And we started uh, publishing them the, the, uh, towards the end of last year. So they're on our website under the Sprout series. And we've got three different series going right now. So they can listen to that. And in each of the podcasts, you know, we hear, you know, the woman leader's story, you know, how they became engaged in these very critical challenges that we face, um, the challenges they face. But we also, at the end of every one, we ask, what advice would they give to other women who are stepping into this world? And also, what are three calls to action? You know, this is not about passive listening. This is really inspiring collective action uh, because we're we're running out of time. Honestly, we are running out of time. So they can listen to those. Uh, they can and certainly sign up, you know, for our newsletter and we will continue to engage folks. Um, also, our Instagram, mm2030.org. Uh, we, we put out just such inspiring messages from these women every single day. Um, and it's really up to them to decide how they want to engage, how they want to engage others in their community. So that's our sprout series, you know, planting seeds and watching these ideas sprout. The plant series is actually just a series of interviews with each of the co-founders and how we came to be in this work. And then our grow series is really, really, really exciting. Uh, we've just started, but there are two cohorts of teen girls who were inspired by the Magnolias, one in Pakistan and Southeast Asia and one throughout Europe. And these are 14 to 18 year old girls who are committed to gender equity, to climate, eco-anxiety, divine feminine, and really helping other girls see how they can step into their full power, find their voice and lead. We believe it's time for women to lead. I love it. It's so awesome. You talk about the divine feminine. And of course, you talk about conscious leadership. When we go back in your career, of course, we're being at Nike for 21 years. What did you take from that experience? What types of you know, ideas formulated back in the Nike days that helped you launch Magnolia? Oh, yeah. How long do we have? Well, you know, it's interesting. When I first went into Nike, I was a biomechanical researcher in the Nike Sport Research Lab, which is the premier biomechanics lab in the world. And my boss, uh, he was this big, burly Brit, three PhDs, and he came up to me, I think within the first week I was there, and he said, I'm going to fast track you. And I was like, you're going to what? I didn't even know what that meant. Um, but working in the lab, and this was back in 87, 88, when I first came in, I did an internship at Nike. All of the studies were being done on men. And I was like, what's up with this? You know, having been an athlete my entire life. And, you know, that became kind of the precursor to what we used to always say that women are not small men, girls are not small boys, we are made fundamentally different. So that started, you know, this effort to have equality in testing on men and women athletes. And that led to being asked to be a product developer um, 
for women's product. And I was one of the two first female product developers in footwear in the industry. And just seeing how I was treated um, as a woman in, again, a very male-dominated, macho, testosterone, highly competitive organization, how I was treated in Asia when I went to the factories in Asia. And it just really kind of woke me up to how do how will I choose to be as a leader? Do I fall into the old model of, you know, being as tough as a guy or do I show up as my authentic self? So it was a long trajectory in finding who I was as a leader. And then I had opportunities to run our women's business and many other things. And I really found the importance of having women in leadership positions and, um, you know, being able to fight Title IX when George W. Bush came in, he tried to take that down and uh, we went at that again, and just equality for women in all forms. And today, along with the Magnolias, I've been invited to be an advisor to the Lily Ledbetter movie project and their social impact campaign called And Rise to once and for all end gender pay inequality, uh, discrimination in hiring and firing, and also ending sexual and violent harassment of women in the workplace. So I'm pretty committed to this. It's amazing. Of course, Darcy, we know that you draw a lot of inspiration from being an avid athlete. And we want to talk about that in a moment. But first of all, what we really want to get into is I know you love your time in nature. I know that nature is like connected to you at the core. So this sort of combination that you have with nature and what's going on in your world and then, of course, what's going on at Magnolia? How do you, when you're in nature, are you always thinking about Magnolia? How do you sort of disconnect from what you're doing? Or is it all connected in one beautiful sort of, you know, circle? Well, time in nature is really important for a lot of different reasons. You know, reconnecting to the natural world. Where would we be without it? Um, it will be fine without us, <laughs> but we cannot live without it. And then also just taking time to reflect, uh, it, you know, being in nature, being in the natural world is such an incredible place to reflect. So am I constantly thinking about magnolias? No, it is a time to quiet your mind and just let things process and time to ideate. Uh, one of the experiences that has been most pivotal in my life is in 2005, Peter Senge and Otto Scharmer, Joe Jaworski and Betty Sue Flowers wrote a book called Presence. And uh, it was a conversation. And in that, Joe Jaworski uh, wrote about his experience being on a sacred passage in Baja, California with John Milton. And John Milton ultimately became one of the co-founders of the Academy. And it's a 12-day experience, uh, you know, working with John for three days prior to being put out on a seven-day solo uh, and then coming back. And when I read the book and I read Joe's experience, I called Peter up and I said, how do I get a hold of this John guy? I've got to go on a sacred passage. And three months later, I found myself literally on the same solo site that Joe wrote about in the book. It's, it's so powerful. 
And on day five, you know, when you're on solo, you have the option to fast. So I fasted for five days. You don't see another person, uh, no books, no music, uh, no journals. I mean, it's really a time to reconnect with nature and let the noise that surrounds us every day just kind of go. And on day five, it became crystal clear uh, what my path forward was. And I trusted that. And that's what ultimately led to me leaving Nike, finishing up what I had to do around the women's business, and then uh, forming the academy. Um, So time in nature is critical. Uh, It's so important to me. And I've had the opportunity and will be going on my third Antarctic climate expedition in March. And again, just being in truly pristine nature which with other leaders who are committed to doing whatever we can to fight the climate emergency, um, it's so critical. So, and and John once said 99% of the human population is completely divorced from the natural world. You know, people think when they go on a cruise, they're in nature. No, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) So it's, it's a very important connection. Wow, it's so powerful. I mean, it's so interesting, of course, what you're doing, how you immerse yourself. You're going to Antarctica again to check it out for the third time. I mean, that's remarkable. Most people just dream of going one time. Let's talk about your athletic endeavors just for a minute, because we do have so many CEOs and founders that have an athletic background. And we love to ask this question because it's so enlightening. What have you learned from your athletic life that you've brought over to the entrepreneur life about pushing forward or connecting or what have you learned from being an athlete that you've brought over, of course, to, you know, Magnolia Moonshot 2030? Sure. Well, I've been an athlete since the age of three and um, Several years ago, I won't say how many, I decided that I would try a new sport every year. And if I liked it, keep doing it. But what I found through the years was, you know, if you're going to try a new sport, you have to train for it so that you can physically do it uh, and become adept at it. And also to overcome the fear of the unknown. You know, if you're going to jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet. Um, so learning how to become comfortable with that unknown. And I, I'm one sport shy of my age, which I won't say what it is. Um, but that did translate into my professional career. Um, it's, it's funny when I told the president that I was ready to leave and we got into this conversation and he said, so, so take me through your professional path at Nike. And I told him, he said, that is the oddest career path I have ever heard. And what made it so, I think, unique was there were six different times when the, the role that I stepped into didn't exist. I created it by virtue of raising my hand or asking a question, why aren't we trying something different? And it was that fear of the unknown. And as we worked with the academy and really understanding the characteristics of systems leaders, one of the key characteristics is acknowledging that you don't have all the answers, that you are stepping into the unknown. 
And, you know, many of my good friends at Nike, we would have this conversation often and they would take the traditional career path. You know, this leads to that job, to that job, to that job. And I said, I think I'd have to shoot myself, you know, because it's so predictable. And they would look at me and go, oh, my God, I could never live in that unknown world. And for me, that's where I thrive. And just being able to ask very generative questions and invite others uh, into that conversation to find a path forward. So that's how sports really affected my professional life as well. I love it. You asked questions and you made things exist that didn't exist. You're a Jedi. Now, listen, (laughs) Darcy, let's talk to the younger entrepreneurs. I know we've only cut out a certain amount of time, and I thank you so much. It's an honor to have you on the show. We have younger entrepreneurs that do watch the show. They're in startup mode. Maybe they are hitting a roadblock. Maybe they're hitting a pothole in the road. Maybe they're hitting a wall they can't get over. I call you a Jedi master. You're a big believer in mentorship and helping others. Maybe you could share with the younger entrepreneurs watching the show what it takes to get through a tough time as an entrepreneur, what it takes to keep going forward and finding the right path to become better for having gone through that tough time in their career. Mm. Boy, we could talk about this forever. I think one is believe in yourself. Don't give up that dream. Invite others into the conversation ask questions, ask stupid questions, Um, you know, be more curious and less certain. Um, You are going to hit a brick wall. And I did that many, many times, especially in my work around, you know, integrating, bringing sustainability into Nike. I started with, you know, the C-suite. I thought, if I can convince the C-suite, we are rolling. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, and that's when I learned that um, some, some of the best heroes, the greatest heroes, are people who don't have the title. You know, they are influencers within the, the larger system. They have reputation. They have that connection with other people. Engage them. Um, and, and fail. Fail. You know, learn from it and move on, move on. But often, you know, if I hit a brick wall, I'd find another door. I'd go over, I'd go under, I'd go around. If you truly believed in what it is you were doing and you were clear on the impact that you wanted to make, um, asking the question, what is it I want to cause? Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, when you think about it as an entrepreneur, if you're not hitting those potholes and having those challenges, you're not pushing hard enough. So it's a real great feedback loop because if everything's smooth sailing all the time, that simply means that you're just not pushing the envelope hard enough. And as an athlete, you know you know that you want to keep on pushing and sometimes you don't get to where you're going, but it makes you stronger along the way. So this has been right. such a great interview. I'm going to bring you back on the show. I want to have a complete 30 minutes with you talking about entrepreneurship, uh, because there's so much to learn with your background and experience, of course, as the co-founder and past president as the, you know, for the Academy for Systems Change for 10 years, and now this new initiative that's really changing the barriers, changing the way in which people are aware of what's going on around them, the Magnolia Moonshot 2030 initiative. It's so powerful, Darcy. I wanted to take a minute 
just a thank you so much for coming on the show, slicing out 30 minutes for me. I know your time's so valuable and it's just been remarkable to have you on the dot-com magazine entrepreneur spotlight series today. Oh, thank you, Andy. Yes.